Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. Today we have a guest who originally is from across the pond, as they say. He used to be a W-2 employee, and now he is a business owner that buys, corrects, optimizes businesses. And if I say anything wrong, definitely interject. However, he is an amazing guy. I've got to know him over the last couple months. Phenomenal human being, great business owner, but most importantly, great father, great husband, and it is an honor to have him on the show. And before we jump into it, I do have a co-host today, Mr. Zach Day from the Right Now Show. What it is, what's good. Zach is now my, uh, my roommate, so uh, <laughs> yeah. we are roommating together and uh, creating podcasts, and it's just an honor to have him on this show today. So welcome, Zach. Thank you Appreciate for coming you. on the show. And um, yeah, I guess everybody's listening. What's your name? Who are you? What do you do? Give us your elevator speech. Yeah, firstly, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is James Richardson. Uh, what you said is correct. Uh, I am here in Nashville, uh, Nashville Franklin area. I am now a business investor, small business investor and business owner. Previously W2, yes. Uh, previously worked uh, for about 12 and a half years for one of the big accounting firms, you know, in the big four. Um, I should probably rewind, actually. I came to the States in 2015, and I was actually met on a short-term work assignment with my job at the time. Uh, met my wife in New York, where I was living. Uh, never left the States, and I, I love this country. And I just got approved to become an American, which I'm very excited about. Ooh, congratulations. So, uh, yeah, moved, moved to Nashville in 2018 uh, with my job at the time, still doing the accounting. And I had a specialism in turnaround and restructuring work. Um, but I had a heart for small business. I think something about working with big businesses, um, it, it was great experience. I learned a lot, but I think um, at a certain point, a company becomes like the people in it, they're all, everyone's an employee and no one like really cares like a small business owner who's worked so hard for decades building something from the ground up. Like those are the guys that, um, that really inspire me and I wanted to work with smaller businesses. And I, I guess I, I knew there was this macro trend going on where, you know, after World War II, you had the explosion in population. So now the baby boomers, as they're known, are all retiring. And, you know, there's record levels of wealth transferring to the next generation. So I guess I coupled my passion for small business with positioning myself to um, buy some of these small businesses. And so we're creating a family of small businesses right now. They're not all in Nashville. But I, you know, I'm trying to build this portfolio and that's what I set out to do and uh, having a great time doing it. I've learned a lot all along the journey. I've been doing it two years full time um, and uh, I'm very excited about the future. I'm more excited about the future now than I was when I started. And I obviously had to be pretty excited to like leave my job. My wife isn't working at the moment. She's a full time mom. So it's like it was a pretty scary time, but I jumped in with two feet and uh that's why we're here today. That's the short version, but I'm sure we'll unpack as we go. I love that. And one thing I want to ask is a lot of people that are in W-2s and want to start a small business, most of them start a business because they're good at something or they love something. They're, uh, the E-Myth talks about being the technician of your business, right? Like you're the worker, like a mm -hmm. carpenter or a florist or something like that. They work for somebody else and they make the transition and then essentially become a employee of their own small mm -hmm. business. You did it differently. You jumped in, like you said, to the investor role of business running businesses. 
why did you choose that instead of something that you had specialized in as an employee? I think um, in the accounting consulting world, I was uh, a proud generalist. I'd, I'd worked in a lot of different industries, but I'd, we, we always used to say in my team in the turnaround world, like we are situational experts. So we used to work with failing businesses or businesses that were struggling. And so because of that, there wasn't one industry where I was, you know, uh, all in on. Like it's, we live in Nashville. We meet a lot of people that just do healthcare, for example. Like that was never me. Um, so that that's one component of it. And I would say the second component is, um, uh, oh, I had a great thought. The, se- <laughs> the first component was I'm a proud journalist. The second component was um, I was used to working for this big company at a certain level as you go up the ranks. I started to operate um, and talk to people at the C-suite level, so, you know, the CEOs, COOs, CFOs. Um, and that helped me gain the skill set of what it is like to oversee a business. And actually then when you're at that level, you actually are much better at deploying people who are much better than you at doing the individual roles, like in the day-to-day running the business. So Correct. I actually think I kind of have a superpower in being able to oversee rather than like I, I can jump in and do some of the day-to-day, but you probably don't want me to do that. Like, I wouldn't be that great at it. I'd be right. okay. And so actually, that probably plays to my skill set more, like operating at that level. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. What made you decide to jump in feet first? Because it sounds like I know a lot of people are like, well, I want to do this side hustle and build up passive income because they've got expenses. Everybody's got expenses. What made you say, I'm just going to jump in feet first I'm not going to try to do this half-ass or do it on the side. I'm, I'm going to go into it 100% and just completely break off of your paycheck. I guess the context is necessary here where I was trying to chip away at it slowly over time because I started buying real estate in 2013. Um, and I, with one of my best friends, Simon, we were living in London at the time. We were pretty much the only two people in our friendship group that liked property or real estate or the idea of investing. So we realized in London, if we pulled all of our income, all of our savings, everything together, we could scrape a two bedroom apartment in kind of an up and coming part of London. Um, so we, we, we did that together. And so from that moment in 2013, we were slowly like chipping away. And, and part of my story is back in the, back in 2013, we then shared a bedroom in order to like rent out the other bedroom and the couch and just like, Airbnb as much as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, and we did it so much that we actually were then able to buy a second apartment around the corner, uh, a couple blocks away in American language. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it, that was such a slow burn. So if you fast forward to the, when I left my job, which was nine years after that point, I mean, yeah, we had some rental income, but I, by that point, over nine years, I'd done new construction, uh, the Burr method, um, short-term rental, amongst other things, just trying to do okay. whatever I could. But I still didn't have enough to pay for my family's living expenses and it felt slow. And then yeah. ultimately, I think I realized I was more passionate about business. And so when I then saw that the ROI, cash on cash returns was like so much greater, I just was like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And actually, a really good point to bring out there, there were a few trigger points along the way. So I was, I'm now a dad. Yep. Um, several times over and I remember being away and just having to FaceTime my wife and my daughter and I was you know basically forced or required to be in these states away from home and I just was like I don't want to do this anymore it's different when you're in your 20s um, 
And then at some point I was like, I don't, it's not worth it for me. Even if it's a great textbook career, I just, it's not the life I want to live. What is the life you want to live? What does that look like to you? Um, it's actually changed because I think in order to motivate myself to jump into this world, I set myself up with this big goal of I want to build a portfolio of X, you know, of all of these companies together. But now that I'm a couple years into it, it has changed because that initial rush has subsided. As a family, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing good, you know, so I'm, I feel good where we are. And so now it's like everything gets filtered through my marriage lens and then my family lens. And so I guess what I, the life I want to live is centered around that. Like, I love my wife. I love my kids. I want to spend as much time as, with them as I can. But I also want to model what it is to work really hard because I want to pass that on to my kids. Correct. So it's kind of a balance. It's not just like all vacation and it's not just like work really long hours. So I try to work pretty reasonable hours, but work hard in those hours and have fun as well. Like I, I, I feel very fulfilled with what I get to do now. So I feel very uh, grateful and blessed, if you want to call it, for, for the life I get to live now. That's incredible. I think that would be considered what we like to call the American dream, right? Yeah. I used to think it was, yeah, work hard, get that pension, raise a family, which all those things are amazing. But I feel like you had mentioned with working in a W-2 is your work in a W-2, the problem is you're working for somebody else's dream. You're not working for your dream. And that's the great thing about being a small business owner or a business owner mm -hmm. in general, even an investor, whether it's real estate in your case, real estate and businesses, mm -hmm. it affords you freedom, time freedom, so you can spend time with the people that mean the most to you. It gives you freedom of uh, finances, so you can make choices, so you can essentially go on vacation, afford the things that you want to get for yourself or your family, mm -hmm. and location freedom as well. Like you said, you own businesses that aren't even here in Nashville, so you're able to not only buy a business, but run a business remotely. So if, if your family wants to move somewhere, you can, you can do that. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the things, the freedoms that most people are looking for. And it's incredible to see in such a short amount of time, just like you said, a couple years that you're able to accomplish that. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I, I love the point on the American dream as well, because I think as we're sitting here beginning of 2024, Everyone is prepared for this year to be crazy with the election that's coming up. I'm excited because mm. it's the first election I can vote in. Um, but, you know, people, um, you know, people say that the, the American dream is dying slowly over time. And whether that's true or not, I mean, we could debate it if you want. It depends where you want to go. But mm. whether that's true or not, I think as someone who is not from this country, but also worked in over 10 countries with my career, I've never seen the amount of opportunity that I see in America mm -hmm. now. And even if it is diminishing, which people feel have very strong opinions on it right now, the opportunity is still there. And so I think it's a great reminder. You know, I remind myself of this and anyone who's listening, like it still exists. So you can get out there, make things happen. It's not going to be easy, but the opportunity is there. Yeah. hundred percent. I feel like you coming from, not being American raised, American born, when you come in, like you see things that other people don't see. And that, that's normal, right? Like people like Zach and I, we were born and raised here. We were raised in blue collar families. We were taught how to work, how to climb the corporate ladder mm -hmm. if you have a white collar job or um, 
and all of that, but you're coming in kind of from, you know, there's a cultural difference. Businesses are different. Laws are different. So yeah, how is just, it different from England to America as far as, you know, yeah, corporate and business. And you said like, you know, the American dream, you come to America to start a business. Why can't you do that in England? I think there's something about the American society that champions entrepreneur, which I love. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, it, it's something about like over here, we love an underdog story. You know, we just do and like we kind of root for the for the underdog. Mm. I don't see it in the same way. I think the way that the classes work is slightly different. Like in the UK, a lot of it is to do with the family you've come from and you know, where your dad and your grandfather went to school, that kind of mm. dictates. Like if you look at um, British prime ministers, for example, a lot of them went to this one school called Eton. So like it's kind mm. of all very concentrated in certain pockets of the country. Whereas here, status is kind of, this is not necessarily, it's not necessarily all good, right? But there's a lot of weight put on money. And so like in a sure. way, um, I feel like there's it, it's more wide open. You can kind of create that for yourself if you want, which kind of not always like people talk about new money, old money still, but it's kind of different. Like you can still create that kind of socioeconomic status for yourself in a way that isn't um, necessarily as available in other countries. Yeah. How do you define status? How do I define yeah. status? I mean, ultimately it's ironic because we've been talking about money, but money is not what determines status yeah to there's me. more to it it's uh, i think it's influence and persuasion like that status but how do you get to that influence and persuasion i mean it's like it's like your look your community your relationship your network money definitely plays a factor is there anything else i think status is maybe an outworking of your inner state mm. and I would, for me, my, my Christian faith is so important to me. So my identity is in Christ. And then the peace that comes with that, the outworking of that is probably an inner peace and inner yeah. confidence, which then adds itself to a kind of a worldly status maybe because you're not jumping around, following trends, trying to be cool, all of this mm. stuff. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I think there's something there for sure. Yeah being authentic to yourself, I think plays mm -hmm. a blow. And that's, you know, Christianity, like that's your being, that's part of your being. So you can walk around with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something that I love talking about. Essentially, I, I, I call it a, well, I don't have an official name for it, but I say there's two types of people in the world. There's creators and consumers. Mm. And you're coming from the standpoint of a creator, like you're buying businesses, you're buying real estate, and you're taking that and you're well, one, you're creating jobs, but you're creating products, you're creating opportunities. And in your life, you've chosen to create. You have a spouse, you have kids, you have mm -hmm. a family. And I think what you said, like, as far as people's status goes, like, you don't care necessarily about the fancy cars or the fancy house, like wearing Gucci or anything like that. That you're wearing a white t-shirt right now, right? Yeah, a white t-shirt a running watch. <laughs> yeah, a plain white tee. And so, like, it's not so much consume, 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 mm -hmm. because I feel like when people are straight consumers, that you kind of have a scarcity mindset where you came here, you see all opportunities. You have an, an abundance mindset. There is more than enough. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when you're talking about status, that's what you're talking about is essentially... Where's your mindset at? Mm -hmm. Are you a creator or a consumer? 
you have a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And um, I think it's having an abundance mindset is so important. Um, it just makes the world of difference in every facet of life. Um, it helps you take the losses better as well. It's like, okay, well, I've, I've lost this one, but that's okay because there's plenty more out there. Off we go again. And it's just a, it's kind of a way of being and a way of thinking that sets you apart. And you're right, most people are consumers. I mean, we're right now, we're creating content and, you know, this will end up on social media and what, 1% of people probably create content, 99% just consume. Um, there's nothing wrong with consuming, but um, being a creator is kind of sets you apart and then I think there's data to show that of that one percent of creators like 99 percent of people probably give up at some point as well Mm. um so creating does take more effort um it's funny because there's a lot of people on the internet who like to have strong opinions about other people um but it often comes from the consumer side of things if you're a creator like we're all creators here we're not going to be here um slinging mud at each other like I can't believe Ace said that on his last podcast episode can't believe it but I'd commend you for getting in the arena and even if you did say something stupid you know you're getting the arena you're doing something that you're really passionate about and i respect that yeah no i appreciate that and you're you're absolutely right like we're christians as well faith is Mm -hmm. a big part of both mine and zach's lives and the thing that i love about christianity that's given me so much life is god created us in his image Mm -hmm. god is a creator if we're created in his image that means we are also creators Mm -hmm. now we're not God, we're not Jesus, mm-hmm. but if he, if we are created in his image, which I wholeheartedly believe, we are born, everybody I believe is born to be a creator. Every single person on this planet, it's just yep. most people don't realize that. And uh, they get caught up in the consumption part of it, especially here in the US, I'm, assu- I'm assuming you could agree with that, that the US is just insane when it comes to pushing uh, consumption. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm sure England is pretty similar, being a first world country, being one of the world's leading countries. Um, but it's crazy how much push there is to materialism and products and, and just consumption in general. Yeah, there's so much industry around everything here. Um, I, I remember moving here and going to a sports game and being like, you have how many commercial breaks? Like, you know, and, and it's just wild. Um, and there, there probably are some other examples that I've become so accustomed to now that the English way seems odd. But yeah, there's so much consumption pushed on people here. That's interesting about we're all, you know, we're all created beings and we're created in God's image. Therefore, inherently, we are all creators, but it's been kind of suppressed in, a, in most people. Oh, we can get into spiritual warfare all day long. I'd, 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 get... love, to, I'd love talking about, <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. my... It's, I love the fact you just told me you guys are both Christians because that's probably, if I had to say kind of my secret weapons behind the scenes, like, yes, my wife is awesome. She's an amazing supporter, but more important than her is my faith. And um, I don't think, I'm not saying where I am is the final destination. I'm still going in a certain direction and I can't wait to see what happens in the next 10 plus years. But you know, I wouldn't be here today talking to you if it wasn't for my Christian faith. Like that has been life-changing. Several practices that I've implemented, like reading the Bible, has been truly life-changing. Honestly, I'm annoyed at myself in a way. I'm kind of late 30s now, and I'm probably in my fourth year, 
fourth or fifth year of reading the Bible all the way through in one year. And that was a practice I started in my 30s. I'm like, man, this has been life-changing. I wish I started that in my 20s. Um, but th these kind of practices like feed me, which then enable me to hopefully do a half-decent job of being a husband, father, mm. and business owner. Yeah. What does your faith mean to you exactly? It's kind of the it's the foundation of everything else. So without yeah. that, nothing else really makes sense, mm. and I don't really have a, a, a meaning or a purpose. Right. Um, you asked me before we started filming why I started doing social media, and now that you've been open and told me about your faith, I can explain it in a way that I know maybe you'd understand. Which is, I honestly felt nudged towards being more more of a public figure because I was spent so long being a hidden accountant in a big firm where it's easy to hide. And so um, I believe God pushed me in that direction, just be like, just give it a go. And part of that was his kindness because it's helped break some things in me where now I don't necessarily care what people think about me as much. I was used to be consumed by it. That first video, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys remember the story of your first video, but I probably recorded it <laughs> 20 <laughs> times. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, no, like... I look stupid and I'm saying something stupid. And oh, yeah. now, um, you know, working with Nick has been awesome as well. We just, we just shoot content that we think is helpful and we just push it, push it out. And then that's it. If someone doesn't like it, they don't have to watch it, but I believe I'm being helpful. So I'm going to keep doing it. And so it's kind of weird how it's come a full circle. Like well, I felt a nudge to do it, but it's been helpful for me and I, ho and I hope other people as well. Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent. That's, what both Zach and I do. That's why we push out so much content. That's why we have podcasts. It's not necessary. We want to entertain people because we want to keep them engaged, mm -hmm. but we're not entertainment. We're not comedians. We're, we're not drama people. We're not giving, uh, we're not pushing what a lot of people do fear, shock, you know, we're, we're going to stand our ground and, and say what we truly believe in, which mm -hmm. might come off controversial, but we're not creating controversy just to create mm -hmm. a buzz and get a million people talking because we said something off the wall like a lot of these people do. For mm -hmm. us, it's really just to open ourselves up, communicate with other people openly, honestly, and really just understanding that we're, we're really all in this together. And we, so many people want the same things when you really break it down, right? We want to be financially secure. We want to have a fulfilling life. We want a mission. We want a purpose. Mm -hmm. There's all this racket, all this noise, especially with social media now and the blowing up of podcasts and all of that. But to be able to sit down like we talked about before and have an open, honest conversation, that is way more powerful. And that's what we've been doing since the dawn of time. I believe it's Acts uh, 232 chapter 2 verse 32 where they talk about coming together in community that's where the church first came mm -hmm. about was was from that that verse um and there's a, obviously other verses that jesus talked about but it was really the coming together of community the breaking of bread why is having dinner together as a family so important why is having a meal together with your group you know whether you have a group of men or a group of women or a community group that has mm -hmm. a similar interest, like getting together and having open, honest conversation is so important. And I feel like we've lost a lot of that with the push of, push of social media, with the push of shorts, because it sells advertising dollars. It's, yep. it's eyeballs. It's, it's money. Mm -hmm. But go back to the whole podcast part of it. This is real. This is raw. This podcast is not going to get edited. 
a crazy amount. We might clip something here and there, but that's really about it. The ums, the likes, the ahas, uh all of those are going to be in there. I don't take any of that stuff out because what people are really yearning for with social media, because they said it's going to connect everybody, what they're really yearning for is connection, real connection between one another. Mm -hmm. That's what people yearn for. And social media doesn't give that to you. It mm -hmm. could be very entertaining, but having long form conversations, that's really how people connect and people actually feel worth something. Yeah. You guys are anti clickbait. <laughs> we, we are not sales fun. You know, like obviously those are tools and, and they're devised in a certain way. So you got to use those tools, but you got to use them appropriately, right? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you're using a hammer, what are you going to use a hammer for? Well, you can use it to strike a nail into a stud or you can use it as a weapon, right? How do you know? So if you, if they are tools, how do you know whether you've used it appropriately? If you are so passionate about the long form and real meaningful conversations, but you know that that conversation will get more views if you go for a really clickbaity title, oh, yeah. how do you know how much is too much? Yeah, I would say as long as you're still being true and authentic to yourself, if you're not mm -hmm. fooling your audience, because I could say something controversial, but that's because I have strong moral Christian beliefs. People would get very pissed off for some of my views mm -hmm. that mainstream liberal people wouldn't agree with. Mm -hmm. But those are my beliefs. And I'm not saying anything saying these people are bad because they don't believe what I believe. But there are ways to say things that you're still being true to yourself. And in marketing and in any business, and you know this better than anybody, you don't want to please everybody because you're going to please nobody. Mm -hmm. And it's not about pleasing people, but you need to really stand for something. Yeah, no gray area. If you're, if you're just in that middle area, that gray area, no one's going to pay attention to you. You got to be one side or There's the other. There's so many people that come up with crap just to hook people in and so yeah. many con artists out mm -hmm. there that stuff like clickbait and all that, it, it gets a bad rap. All it's doing is getting somebody's attention by using keywords and things that will get them to pause for a second. And so short clips, you have to do that because you have to build up an audience. But my short clips are going to be designed in a way to get people to the podcast mm -hmm. because that's where the real value is. Not a 10 second clip that says, Hey, James is a entrepreneur who's become financially free in two years by buying businesses. Check out more. Right. <laughs> so, but that might be useful to, uh, yeah. oh, we're, we're going to edit that out. <laughs> so that's going on. That's going on. But it, it's really being yourself. That's why mm -hmm. I've learned through my time of podcasting, not to script things anymore. Not that I scripted my podcast, but what I did is I had a script for my intros. I did these really long intros and they were completely scripted and they were good. People loved them, but that was just the intro. The rest of the podcast was, I had a couple points I wanted to hit here and there, mm -hmm. but I've, you know, we've talked before I've followed you on social media. So I knew exactly what I had in mind that I wanted to talk about, but also in a podcast form too, we could go down the rabbit hole of certain things. If we wanted to talk about spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. that wasn't on the list, but we could go down that route. It's kind of where the journey takes us. Like you want to stay on a certain road and get certain things across. But when you stop scripting yourself and you talk, like we could be just mics off recording off and recording or, and talking the same way we're talking right now. Mm -hmm. That's what people want to hear. Right. That's how people connect. It's, and 
the craziest thing with the past 20 years, Survivor 2000. You remember that show, Survivor? It's still around where people go on an island. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That played after the Super Bowl, I think, in like 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. You were only in diapers at that time, Zach. It was, yeah. <laughs> but that was the invention, quote unquote. But MTV did it before. But that was, quote unquote, like uh, reality TV, mm-hmm. even though it was anything but it. And now you got the Housewives and Bravo is a whole Bravo is a whole network right. of reality TV. But that stuff is so fake. None of it's real. It's scripted, and they rehearse it, and they go mm. over. Some of it might be raw, unscripted stuff, but they'll redo it. They'll be like, "Hey, that fight you had, can you guys reenact that fight?" Mm-hmm. Things like that. And I think people are just sick and tired of it. You know, there's it's entertainment once again. I you know those. Those types of reality TV shows, I have um, strong feelings on those because, like, even if you like the content, the actual amount of content in one episode is very small. Because I can't stand the way, even if even if you did like the content itself, which I don't, then the end parts like clipped, and then it goes to another break, and then it replays the already boring piece that ended that piece to start again. It's consistently like recycling, and it's, well, that winds me up so much. Oh, um, yeah. They always leave you on a cliffhanger. Yeah, oh, the best so part for last. Yep. This, this is yeah. I guess you know when you get married and you you figure out your kind of rhythms. Like in early days, you know when you get to the end of the work day, you're tired. You just kind of collapse on the sofa and you put TV on. I'm so glad. Though we, I, I rarely watch TV now, and I'm very grateful for that. It mm-hmm. took me a while to get there. Oh, I agree. I agree. We were. I. I. That was my. Default uh-huh. at the end of the night. And Zach's, Zach's been living here for about a week or so now. And uh, you said the same thing. You'd, list, you'd yeah. just turn on Netflix at the end of the night and just mm-hmm. that would be his nightcap. Yeah. And- but there was no TV when I got here. So I was like, <laughs> all right, good. That's good. It's yeah. helpful. Definitely. So I'm interested on the. So you've mentioned spiritual warfare a couple of times. So I'm interested. Oh, in, you want to go that I, Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. I'm interested right. in what you think and how much. Hey, this is my Should show. I'm asking you, what, oh, yeah. what is your take <laughs> on spiritual warfare? Okay, okay, good point, good point. <laughs> I think so. I think with spiritual warfare, um, it is foolish to ignore it and pretend, believe it's not there. I think we need to be aware of the actual realities that we're not, the physical world is not the only world, that there's actually a spiritual world there as well, and there are these battles going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion looking for ways to take us out mm. um and you know we've seen a whole whole host of things hit the news whether it's like celebrity pastors taken out or whatever whatever it is like it's the enemy's looking for max damage mm-hmm. um and so i think it's foolish to ignore it and i also think it's foolish to think too much about it because if you get so caught up in what spiritual warfare and the devil is trying to take me down today you can like become immobilized to actually getting on with what you believe God's given you to do. Mm, so like taking point. action in the day to day. So I kind of like, I personally try and live in a way that I'm not thinking about too much, well, but also not ignoring it. Yeah. What would you say the mission of the devil is then? Cause people talk about spiritual warfare, the d- devil's trying to get you. What is his mission? If you had to boil it down. I mean, the, the, the snippet is to seek, kill, and destroy, but what does that mean? Right. And so what that means is um, disconnection from our Heavenly Father, um, and that means us to our Father individually mm-hmm. and also with each other as well, like division, so division, 
No. Um, because in division, isolation, it's just darkness. I mean, there's, there's more than enough scripture to back this up, but that mm-hmm. all of these, all of this division um, and the things that are kind of fruit of that, it doesn't end well. Like the thing that the thing that ends well is um, walking, um, kind of in communion or in relationship with God. Yeah, that path leads well. There's like, there's. Uh, I, I I guess I didn't know we we're going here today. I'm just trying to think of the best way to describe it. There's like a wellspring or a kind of like righteousness there for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm one says we'd be like a you can, like an oak tree, you know, planted by streams of water if we. Um, basically walk with the Lord and we read his word and that's that's so appealing but that's that's awesome but on the flip side of it the devil does not want us to be mighty oak trees planted by streams of living water who bears its fruit you know in or out of season that's the opposite of what he wants yeah here's my question does the devil want to destroy us or does he want us to become part of his kingdom hell you know what I mean what does it mean to be part of his kingdom is it would it mean being like be cast down to hell oh just so like basically yeah take us away from god so that when we die we don't spend eternity with him i mean well it's either eternity with god or eternity mm -hmm. in hell with the devil right is that correct i i believe that yeah i believe that one of the 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 gift of jesus is eternal life which means i get to spend eternity with him Mm -hmm. But it doesn't that that amazing life that goes on forever doesn't start when I die. It starts now. Right. But I think just being separated from God is in itself, by definition, hell. Yeah. Really. Exactly. But I do think hell's a place as well. Mm. Again, man, we're going into the theology. I feel like I'm prepared. If <laughs> I have, I'm I have another but, question. Um, do you think the devil deserves attention? Because we have to know our enemy so we can fight our, against our enemy. But once we know the enemy. Should we almost ignore him as if he didn't exist? I think, so again, I want to know what you think. I think it's important to know we have authority in Christ over the enemy. Yeah. In how we live our daily lives. So you almost remind the enemy, I have authority in Christ. Not Mm -hmm. because of how good I am, but because of Jesus who died for me. Yeah. Because of that, I'm reconciled to the Father. And because of that, I have authority over you. So you can go away today. I'm getting on with my stuff. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in the belief of Christianity, if you do believe Jesus is the Son of God and that he defeated the devil, he defeated, you know, he won the war when he died on yeah. that cross for our sins, for our salvation, and was resurrected. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Christian, that's a fundamental belief. So you've the devil's already been defeated, but that doesn't yeah. mean he's not still around mm-hmm. trying to separate you from your maker, from God. Yeah. And I believe that too. I believe... The sole mission of the devil is to separate us from our creator, from our father. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, in your opinion, how does he do that? What are some ways in which he separates us from God? Um, how does he attack us? I think everyone is different, created different. And I think through temptation is a, is a simple answer because the devil tempted Jesus for 40 days, you know, before he started his ministry who tempted adam and eve it's right in the book yeah. of genesis yeah and jesus but jesus withstood it you know stood against it and didn't give in but i think all the way through the bible 
people give in to temptation, but the temptation of you know, David looks different to what um, the devil tried with Jesus and like yeah. pick, pick your character, the, the temptation's different. So I think it's probably custom made for the individual, uh, probably custom made to try and get the person where, where they're weakest. Mm. Yeah, mm. he takes whatever, whatever we give him. Right. So if you're like, uh, you have a problem with drinking, he's going to make that a real big problem with you. He's mm-hmm. going to feed you thoughts and emotions to make sure that you go back to that drink. Well, the thing he lies, that's another way he gets mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So not only with temptation, but he's con- yeah. constantly lying to you, whether it's, it's something like you're not good enough, you're not loved. Right. I think that's one of the biggest questions that mm-hmm. people ask themselves is it really boils down to, am I enough? And if I'm not enough, am I going to be loved? Mm. That's a Tony Robbins thing, too, that Mm -hmm. he talks about all the time. And the devil always tries to tell us, one, we are not enough and we are not loved when God says the exact opposite. You are always loved. You will always be enough, Mm -hmm. period. We have a loving God. And so in addition to temptation, he lies. He lies to us. Or he lies in that uh, ego. Oh, I'm... You are so awesome. You you got that deal done. You got that property sold. You are a complete badass. Mm-hmm. And then you start to believe that, that you are something more, that you are godlike. Yeah. Mm. And that's another great thing about Christianity is that we serve a God. We mm-hmm. are not God. Yo. We are servants. We mm-hmm. have to be humble servants. People talk to me all the time about like, well, what about all the rules? Like you can't have sex before you married, this and that and da da da. It's not about following rules. Mm-hmm. That's backwards. You don't follow rules so you can win God's love. God loves us so much that I want to obey him completely mm-hmm. because of the love he showed me. Yes. And I want to be a servant of him because when you're serving him, that's really when you're serving everybody else. I love that. That's so true. Yeah, we don't conform so God would love us because we're so bad and we're trying to get over that over that marker. It, I love that. It's God's love is so it's unlike anything else that we can't help but transform. Exactly. Um, the ego. It, the ego. Yeah, God. It's like a parent's love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't do things so you can win your parents' love. Your parents love you so much that you want to behave. Mm-hmm because of how much love they give you, period. It's the same thing. And so if you take that parent-child relationship, like there's so much that parallels with how to be a good Christian. It's not about just blindly following the rules or else you're going to hell, you mm-hmm. know, that, that fire and brimstone approach. That's completely backwards. That's when man tries to tell us how to be a good Christian. God already tells us how to be a good Christian. It's in the Bible. It's in communion with him through prayer and it's being around the mm-hmm. community of, of God, and that's the church. It's as simple as that. Bible, church, prayer. That's, those, those are the only things, three things you need to follow, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to be a very devout, good Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly, f- this sounds weird. I feel sorry for people that don't know the joy of walking with the Lord. Like, it, again, it kind of it sounds like a rule book when you're saying it, like, this is how you're a good Christian. I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. But, you know, like, you know, pray, read, feed yourself with God's word. But again, it can, it can, from a worldly perspective, it can start to sound like a checklist again. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's so life-giving that I wouldn't do life any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. What You said something a second ago, the Tony Robbins 
thing about changing your thoughts, like change your thoughts, change your life. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because that it, those words are compatible with the better source, which is the Bible about, you know, identity. Because the, the reason I think Tony Robbins says that is people have very negative views of themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I, if you I would truly agree. believe like what the Bible says about you as a child of God, um, then yeah, you, your life can't help but change. But it's kind of interesting. But then that ties back into, we're talking about social media, um, you know, Ident- I think scrolling endlessly through shorts, like it can feel like it just feels so empty and like draining, trivial, too. draining. That's so yeah. true. There's nothing restful. If you're trying to rest for 30 minutes and you take your phone to rest or whatever, and then you just scroll for 30 minutes, you feel more tired at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Even if you're just sitting still in a chair. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you're focusing on, you know, 50 different videos at that yeah. time. There's no focus point. That's Therefore, not- your thoughts are just running. And we're not our thoughts. We want to find that empty space between thoughts. That's Mm -hmm. where peace and bliss is. People want to fill the void in their life. That's the big thing Mm -hmm. is how do we fill this void of community, of connectedness? The devil tries to disconnect us from God. Mm -hmm. That's how you lose that, that, that feeling that you have when you Mm -hmm. do have a relationship with God, a connection with God. And we can also go back to what we were talking about with recording podcasts like people want connection, people mm-hmm. want community. That's how we are wired. We are a communal species. That's why when you know people misbehave or whatever in prison, they get solitary confinement where they literally get thrown in a box for, mm. for long periods of time. And I can go down the Andrew Huberman route and talk about how like uh, neurochemically, if you are separated from people, there's a, a chem- neurochemical called tachykinin, which increases depression. In- increases anger and rage and all of these negative neurochemicals that flush through your body when you're not connecting to people, when you're not getting that dopamine, that oxytocin from just like touching someone that you care about, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, there's a, a thing where they talk about hugging people. You know, what do we normally do when we hug someone? You know, if it's a guy to guy, we'll pat each other on the bat like, or back like two or three times. Right. Um, or if it's a lady, we might you know, and it's not our spouse or something, we'll do a side hug or something like that. But even our spouse, right? Peck on the cheek, little squeeze, and that's it. But like, there's scientific data that if you hug for six or seven seconds, like we're talking skin to skin, body to body contact, Mm -hmm. not in a sexual way, but just a physically uh, communicating together. Mm -hmm. Like there is a rush of, of oxytocin, a rush of dopamine that goes through your system and your mood is just absolutely elevated. Like you just feel amazing. You feel connected to that person. It's just insane. But we live in this world that's like scroll, scroll, click, click, next, next, next. And like you said, taking 30 minutes just to not be on your phone. Like that is so much more fulfilling, mm-hmm. not to watch TV. But whatever it is, meditation, prayer, breathing exercises, right. just being with yourself, like that is so much more fulfilling. And that will energize you instead of take that energy away yeah that's so true um you just said something as it relates to um oh gosh you have to edit this bit out <laughs> <laughs> we might might not you never know <laughs> yeah, we'll take this out. <laughs> i lost it uh that's all right you say what did you say a second ago oh i said you you went on a rant <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like scrolling on Instagram. That's why you can't remember. 
one topic to another. Oh, I know what it was. So you mentioned the closeness that comes, or let's just say the negative impacts of being isolated. Right. Um, well, we were talking earlier about alcohol. So all of us have experimented or either alcohol-free or experimented with that being alcohol-free at different times. Yeah. It would seem to me from listening to several people much smarter than me that there's no actual benefit to alcohol in terms of like the compounds that are in it and what it does to our actual bodies. Hmm. But this is my, this is my summary. But um, when people get older, a lot of people die from loneliness and actually some people, the alcohol component is so integrated into the way they live their life that when they get together with their mates and have a couple pints, they are getting that connectedness. Yeah. They're not hugging for six seconds, but they're talking about their day and they're talking about what's going on in their lives. And that more than offsets maybe the negative impacts of small quantities of alcohol. Mm. So it's funny because people are like, oh, well, you can have five ounces of wine, you know, three days a week or whatever it is. Um, but honestly, I, it seems that the data says it's just not beneficial for you, but you can't ignore the fact that it is beneficial if it helps you come together and connect. Yeah, alcohol is a good subject because I have a lot of questions. Like one, is alcohol a sin? Two, like, would you give it up for like forever? Um, if, if, if you could, like, you know, mm-hmm. if you had, I would drink for the rest of my life or would I give it up? Which one would you pick and why? Well, I, I'm currently alcohol free and I don't yeah. know if I'll go back to it currently. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like right now I'd pick just alcohol free because yeah. it has so many benefits to my, my marriage, the way I'm a mm-hmm. dad, my fitness, yeah. fitness is a big one. The other stuff, it's like maybe not so noticeable, but I don't go to the gym anywhere near as much if I mm-hmm. have a you know two beers the night before. It's amazing. Small quantities can equal a ripple effect. So then the next yeah. morning, I don't go to the gym, and then I feel a bit more sluggish. I have one extra coffee and get Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that if I go to the yeah. gym, I'm like, I'm going to eat ground beef and avocado mm-hmm. and a sweet potato. It's like it, the, the yeah. difference is... It, it's really for me at least maybe i'm quite yeah. an extreme person like mm-hmm. i'm my wife jokes i'm either like on or off yeah like i'm very <laughs> black or white yeah, um, quite a lot of things a light so switch I, <laughs> I don't think it's a sin yeah um i know christians who think it is a sin um but i don't believe it is and i think there are little indications um through the scripture where it seems to be referenced in a way that it is possible to integrate it in a healthy way Mm -hmm. but then also i love the book of proverbs and in proverbs um, and i believe in a few psalms maybe there's a there's a few verses which talks about um the dangers of of alcohol essentially and Mm -hmm. and what that what you can can become if you consume it too much yeah become lazy sluggard Mm-hmm. Um, if you linger, I think there's, there's one particular proverb that talks about lingering with wine. Um, and that can be the difference between having one margarita or like four and then yeah. four obviously then has that knock on impact. Well, yeah. it, it goes back to Jesus saying, you can't serve two masters. Mm. If anything becomes that second master in your life, he taught, you know, it's, it's just one of his parables, right? And alcohol has become that for too many people, unfortunately. Yeah, they go to alcohol instead of going to God. They cast all their problems and anxiety and depression on alcohol instead of the Father. That's a great That's the challenge problem. for people. So yeah. if you are, if you run to alcohol when you're stressed mm-hmm. or sad, yeah, um, or tired, or maybe, happy, or happy, or happy, yeah. So right. that's that's the thing that maybe should set off in your brain. Like, why is there a trend here? Why am I doing that? Yeah. 
because that's I think I agree with you I think that's when it becomes unhealthy if that's just your trigger it's like that's my coping mechanism right yeah where are you at with alcohol yeah no I'm right there with you mm-hmm. no I come from a family of addiction my parents actually met in AA ah. so I come from a long line of substance I wouldn't even it, it is substance abuse obviously you can abuse anything mm-hmm. that was what I grew up in and so that's a very difficult thing one thing I decided in the last few years is the term alcoholic and this will be controversial what I'm about to say will be controversial I can't but wait it's what I believe Alcoholics Anonymous does a really great job their intentions are in the right place but where they completely miss the mark is they tell people that they have a disease that they have a problem that somehow they are inherently broken that there's a genetic something genetically wrong with mm-hmm. them does alcohol change your neurochemistry can you become dependent upon it mm-hmm. yeah but you could you could do the same thing with almost anything but to label somebody their identity is they have a disease and there's something wrong with them they are an alcoholic that's where it misses the mark because now you're telling somebody that they're less than that they are not mm. a son or daughter of god that they are not created in god's image because there's something wrong mm-hmm. with them and i completely disagree with it mm. the times that i've found in my life where i've struggled the most specifically with alcohol is because i would use it to cope and not face the challenges mm. of the world yes i still worked hard yes i still took care of my family but there were certain conversations that i didn't have with my ex-wife there were certain conversations with business partners that i was too scared to have mm-hmm. you know my old nickname that i gave myself was doormat my name is matthew right doormat mm-hmm. i let people step all over me that was one of my doubles and i would use alcohol just to numb myself mm-hmm. to forget about it so that i could push it off but we all know with drinking or drugs of any sort once it wears off those problems are still there in fact they actually just make things work they because do. you're not you're not working on the problems you're not working on yourself you're doing the opposite you're hurting yourself and you've added a depressant into the mix that makes you feel worse exactly <laughs> about that issue that you've avoided and, you know, and, and to so avoid. my take on it is understand why you're using it and what you're trying to get out of it like what do you want when i am mission focused and i am on my game with these podcasts with my businesses i and i'm being the best version of myself i'm working out i'm eating healthy i'm loving everybody that i come into contact with and then i think of drinking and what that does to me like i my rituals my habits start mm-hmm. going out the window the gym the eating healthy and it's like a it's like a, a, a I'm getting momentum, but in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. It's like a spiral. Mm-hmm. I'm spiraling, spiraling out of control. And so for me, do I want it completely out of my life? No, it, it's fun. Like you said, hanging out with friends and having a beer. There's something mm-hmm. about having a drink with friends, like especially as being a man, having a beer with my guy friends or you know, with a significant other, sitting down and having a glass of wine at dinner together and just really just putting, you know, mm-hmm. just relaxing and throwing on maybe even Netflix or something like that, mm-hmm. really spending some time together. Um, and so I'm, I guess, I guess 
I am of the belief that depending on how you use it, and unfortunately, too many people use it as a crutch. But it's an easy thing to point out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people know what you're talking about, but when it comes down to it, they still end up talking themselves into it. Like mm-hmm. the enemy still feeds them thoughts, but like, oh, well, this is intentional because I'm going out. And well, then... that's part of their identity, that I have a disease, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, for sure. What we Our thoughts become our reality. You, you mm-hmm. had said this earlier. Mm-hmm. Whatever we think about, that becomes our life. Mm-hmm. So you have two choices you can think positively or negatively you can think of life has is all about opportunity or life is very scarce and to be held on to because life is fragile right Mm -hmm. so it really goes down to what your core beliefs are sure and so with alcohol i know that it does not keep me on top of my game Mm -hmm. but every so often to have a beer watching my favorite sports team play especially if they're in the playoffs or something like that of course i want that it's, it's an enhancer mm-hmm. in a lot of ways but once it becomes your main focus your main crutch your main tool mm-hmm. to just try to survive instead of thrive in life right. that's when it's a problem i think sometimes i'm not saying this is right but I, i'm so binary in my thinking that i'm either getting better or i'm getting worse and so i think the reason i've committed to no alcohol for the whole year this year is um it's hard for me to, you know, have a beer, but then feel like I'm also getting better at the same time because it probably will impact my, you know, whether I work out or how hard I, I try to work out the next day, you know, even in small ways. And so that's why I'm like, I don't think I, I'm going to try, see if I just don't need it at all. And then actually I have a question for you. You mentioned the name that you gave yourself. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Doormat. How did you break that? How did you cast that away and, and oh, it's, get it get it gone? It's it pretty good. simple. Like once you acknowledge something and you become aware of it, mm-hmm. whatever change you want to make in your life, if you're not aware of it, you're not going to change. Mm-hmm. So the step one, if there's something in your life that you're not happy with or you're not content with or it's not bringing out the best part of yourself, you have to first be aware of it. Mm-hmm. So first I was trying to figure out, well, why do I feel like I, people take advantage of me? You know, I was playing a victim, right? People take advantage of me, people, blah, blah, blah. I'm too, I'm a nice guy. That's the, the default here in America. You're suffering from nice guy syndrome, mm. right? I'm just a nice guy. And then that's your fucking identity. It happens in the Christian church all the time. The nice Christian man. Right. You know, no, he's a fucking pushover. Mm-hmm. He's a doormat. And so first I had to become aware of like what was holding me back. And it was, I was a people pleaser. I did not want to rock the boat. So I first became aware of it. And then I gave it a name because once you name something, it takes all the power away from it. And I had to make it something that hurt, something that really got inside of me. And thankfully my name is Matthew doormat. I used to be called Matt all the time. And to think of myself as a doormat, someone that just lays there and people step on and Mm -hmm. take advantage of because I allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not so much that people are doing that, but it's because of me. It's not because of them. What are you supposed to do when you see a doormat? You're supposed to step on it. No one just walks around and be like, oh, I can't step on this. It's like, no, I need to step on this and wipe all the shit off my feet. Right. And so to have that image, that name, being aware of it, but also the pain that comes with that version of myself, because it caused a lot of pain. It caused me to get divorced. It caused me financial struggles. It caused me to have low Mm self-esteem that 
poor version of myself. And then also understanding that that's not you. Mm -hmm. Because if we were made in God's image and God truly loves us, doormat is the devil trying to trick me. And he uses temptation, alcohol, pornography, Mm -hmm. pot, all of that stuff, all the bad habits I used to have. He doesn't want me to be a champion. He wants to keep me a doormat. And from that came Ace. Ace is the antithesis, the superhero. Doormat would be the supervillain. Ace is the superhero. And so I also had a persona, which is me, but a a lost part of me. Mm -hmm. Ace is a champion. That's my champion name. That is the guy who gets in, kicks ass, takes names, and does what he's supposed to do because he is a humble servant of God. Mm -hmm. And so when I say that and then I do, you know, certain things, anchors, things like Tony Robbins, tools that I've learned over the years, well, that changes you from the inside out. I am no longer that person that I was two years ago. That guy has been killed every single day. And you have to do it every single day. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. There's no staying stagnant in life. Things are either going forward or they're going backwards. And if you're staying where you're at, you're actually going backwards. Yeah, it's like even in monetary terms, like $1, got $1 bill, say, like that is devaluing over time. Mm. Like that's a great analogy or example of that. Um, I love that story, by the way. Uh, it's funny you mention um, kind of weak men in the church or nice guys in the church, like because yeah. we all know that that is a real thing that oh, yeah. really exists. And it's funny because it's almost like society thinks that's what Christian men should be. But it doesn't seem to line up with what I read in the Bible, like be strong and courageous and like taking on battles and like all of this, like it doesn't matter what story it is and whether it's Noah building the ark for however many years he, I can't remember how old was he when when the flood came, he's like hundreds of years old. And so, and and the amount of years it took to build, whatever the stories you pick, I see strong men and courageous men. I don't see wet, soft men. Who just say yes to everything? That's so, so true. It's funny. Like, I, I don't know why it isn't. I guess part of my theory is that in friendships, in marriages, and again, I'm I'm not saying this from a guy who's got everything figured out, but I believe yeah. it's shying away from truth. Like you know, like in you're talking about marriage a second ago, but it's you have to commit in a marriage to tell each other the absolute truth in the safety of knowing that the other person isn't going anywhere. Because if you don't tell each other the truth, that's where resentments build over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that seven years ago when I got married, but now we're starting to figure a few things out. We're like, oh, this is what we need to do. It's so like slowly getting better <laughs> over time. Yeah, yeah. Ed Milet says a quote, be a, oh, man. Um, be a good man, not a nice guy. Mm. A good man is like, he says it how it is. He's straightforward. He's the truth. A nice guy lets people walk all over him. <clears throat> what, what's the next five years? Look? What's the next 10 What's years? your story? No, but <laughs> what, being a creator, being a warrior, mm-hmm. what do you see going forward in your life? That's a great question. Big question. Uh, I'll try and do it justice. Uh, we're obviously here today as creators. I wanted to start creating felt led in that direction um it made sense for a lot of reasons like i was saying it's kind of helped cure me of worrying what people think um and it's actually been tan like it's been helpful for other people and i can see it tangibly like it's been helpful for people um 
we've had people in my business buying community uh, leave their jobs and become full-time investors. So that's that's really cool for me. Um, so it's kind of a mix of things is the honest answer. I felt led in this direction. I want genuinely want to help people, but I want to help people in a structured way because as things get bigger, like I can't just do like one hour meetings with everyone who wants to talk about buying a business. Like I wouldn't, I'd have negative hours every week. Right. Um, so it's kind of like organizing a way to provide free content for people who maybe don't have the budget to, to, to pay for it for an education. So like help as many people as possible. I've created this course and community where I'm trying to be the most pragmatic option on the market where you can learn how to buy a business in five weeks of teaching. Mm. And then you're automatically part of a community where you can like learn it and digest it over time at your own pace. And then as you look at businesses, you can bring it to the community and we can all, you know, give our opinion and steer people away from pitfalls and things like that. So it's definitely helping. I'm obviously aware that as my platform and profile grows, that I will have more opportunities as well. Up to now, I haven't necessarily um, wanted any more opportunities because I've had a pipeline of businesses to look at. That, and so at this point, we've closed on several and I didn't want to go too fast. But I am aware that th this will open up um, opportunities to in do, do investments um, with others, you know, as relationships develop within my community and people I meet along the way. And so I don't really know is the answer. Right. But I ultimately, like, well, like all of us, I want my life to mean something. And I feel like this is a way I can really help. I want it. I don't just care about buying businesses. I am really passionate about that topic and that's a whole conversation because I want people, I don't want to live in a world where every business is owned by private equity. I want like people to, people who are good people to own businesses because that's so important. Like provide jobs, improve communities. Business has the power. I'm a capitalist at heart. Like I, I believe business has the power to do that. So I'm passionate about that. But also, that's not all I care about from a macro perspective. We've talked a lot about faith today. Um, my knowledge in the small business investing space gives me a platform to be able to share my faith openly. But that means a lot to me as well. Yeah. I, I just want, you know, several decades from now, I want people to be able to say, you know, I am in a much better spot because of you essentially. And I want it to be, we've talked about this separately. It's like you have that, um, approach to life it's an abundance mindset where anything that comes in you're not like holding on to the best information and then you're just giving scraps to other people it's like i've got this information and i want to send it out because i want to help as many people as possible i just trying to orient my my life in that way and honestly social media has been fairly new for me it's been actually quite a fun journey very grateful for nick over here um just you know helping me organize some things and, and get things really going but i'm excited to see where this goes. And I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but that's kind of my honest assortment of thoughts. Yeah. How do uh, people get a hold of you? Um, I am uh, bizbuyingbrit on Instagram. That is probably my primary platform at the moment. Also YouTube, TikTok, kind of Twitter. That may pick up again soon, but I've been a bit dormant on there. But all of the main social media platforms, I'm on there. But Instagram is the best place to contact me. Cool. If you could leave one piece, one word of advice from everything we covered today. And there was quite a bit that we covered, but if you could leave one thought with the audience, what would that be? I think get 
in the arena is like the, the catchphrase. And what do I mean by that? Everyone is created different, as we've discussed. Um, there will be passions that are uniquely yours, like the people listening, that, and you know what they are. Like lean into those. You don't want to get to the end of your life, look back and think, man, if only I tried. Like just try, whatever that thing is that's in your heart, try. If it fails, it doesn't matter, but you've been authentically you and you've been like faithful with the things that you've been given and the gifts you've been given. So I'd say get in the arena, give it a go, be sensible about it, plan it out, all of those things. But like you don't want to regret not giving it a shot. I love that. Love that. Well, James, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for spending your time coming here, talking with us and uh, just pouring yourself out, man. It's, it's been a real pleasure, and I'm really happy we got to do this. Thanks, guys. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. And I want to thank my co-host, Mr. Zach Day from The Right Now Show. Thank Appreciate you very it, much, Zach. It is an honor serving next to your side, man. 100%, bro. So for everybody listening, this is the Superhero by Design podcast. Really appreciate everybody coming on. You could be spending your time anywhere, but you chose to be here with this crazy guy and his amazing <laughs> guests. So like I always say, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And like that, he's gone. Peace out. <laughs>